Agreement in prayer is very vital. Uh, at the beginning, I believe, of uh, what the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to our hearts this month. Praise the Lord. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said if two of you agree on earth as touching anything they'll ask, it'll be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. We agree together right now for this utterance, for this time together that we have as your word goes forth. Give utterance, Father, in the name of Jesus. We open up our hearts and we declare that we are receptive and open to the spirit of grace to what he'd say to our hearts today. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and everyone said amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 29, if you would, this morning. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Of course, in the King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, I love the message. It says, If people can't see what God is doing, then they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed or happy. Now, there's several translations that I want to read from that won't necessarily be up there. But it makes Proverbs 29, 18 become very clear. One says, where there is no vision, the people live purposeless and meaningless lives. Another says, where there is no vision, the people have no sense of direction and lose their reason for living. In other words, despondency and hopelessness. Still another says, where there is no vision, people become lazy, dissatisfied and sluggish. And I will add this word, dull. Amen? One thing you do not want to do is you do not want to be part of the Slowski family. (coughs) You know, you've seen those turtles on television? You don't want to be the dullards, you know, from the Bay Area. Amen? And being visionless will qualify you to be dull. Look at your neighbor and say, not me. Still another says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint and then become undisciplined and unproductive. So when there's no vision, uh, there's no goal, there's nothing really to live for. I mean, why should I, you know, discipline my body? I'll just let myself go, let myself go. We don't want to do that. Now, one person gave the definition of vision years ago, and I like it, can't improve on it. He said, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. The question I have for you today is this. What do you see when you look at your future? In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, from the NLT, it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Think about it. The plans that God has for you and I are plans that are filled with courage, plans that are filled with hope, plans that are filled with a positive, glory to God, spiritual attitude that, you know what, my future is bright, I'm going to walk in the plans of God. Now, you see, before we were born again, we were without hope. Ephesians 2, 11, 12 says... That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, without hope, without God, and without a covenant in this world. That's what Ephesians 2 verse 12 says. So no covenant and no hope. Okay? 
But that's not you and I now that we've become born again. Now we're children of the Most High God. Look at Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers. Strangers to what? Strangers to the covenant. You're no longer a foreigner, but you're a fellow citizen with the saints and of the household of God. Now I want you to notice back in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, and I want to look at it in the Amplified Version if we could this morning. You know, last Wednesday night we had a tremendous service. Came to church and fully expected to to teach what was in my notes. But it's like the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And if you can get the CD of last Wednesday night, get it. And it's like the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I began to speak almost prophetically and to teach with the spirit of prophecy on me. And it had to do with this verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And I intended to go a different direction today. But getting before the Lord last night, I just couldn't get away from it. So I'm just going to obey the Lord. Amen? Amen. And by the way, I'm not interested in looking good in your eyes and doing good and speaking a good message. I'm interested in you getting helped from what's being said. Amen? We're interested not only in inspiration, but we're also interested in some information. Information that can change your life. Now notice it says, for we are God's own handiwork. We are His workmanship. God don't make junk. Created in Christ, born anew, that we might do those good works which He predestined and planned beforehand. Now I want you to keep that verse up here. Notice with me that God has some good works for you and I to do. And these good works that he's called us to do have already been set in motion or predestined or foreordained for you and I to walk in from before the foundation of the world. Think about that. You've been on his mind a long, long time. Notice, predestined, planned beforehand for us. Now notice, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. So there are some paths that God wants you to intersect because there are His paths, His plan for your life and my life that we should walk in them. So God never intended to set forth things and give us paths to walk in and give us good works to do if He didn't intend for us to find them and to walk in them. Amen? Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So there is a good life on God's paths that have been prearranged and just waiting for you. They're ready for you. Oh, that's awesome. Now, it has been my experience, however, that oftentimes in the charismatic movement, there are people that want the benefits of the good life But concerning God's path and going God's way, they really don't want to go God's way. They want to go their own way. You see, there is a way that seems right unto man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. We don't want that. I only want God's plan, God's paths, and those paths, listen, will take you and me right into the good life. Right into the good life. We will not have to go after the good life. The good life is on the path. The good life will come on you and overtake you. The good life is yours 
and made ready. Oh, man, that's shouting ground right there. That we should walk in them. Now look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. The enemy doesn't want you to stay on the path. Now during the course of this teaching this month, we're going to talk about vision, but we're also going to talk about some things that will keep you on the path once you find the path. Now notice with me, read it with me in verse 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Let's break this down. But the path of the just, that's you. The path of those that are in right standing with God, notice with me, it is as the shining light. And the longer you are on the path, and when you are on His ways and doing His plan, the Bible says it shines more and more. More and more unto the perfect day. Oh, thank you, Lord. In other words, when we walk with God, our life gets brighter and brighter. Gets better and better. Or we could say it gets gooder and gooder. God's a good God. He's got a good life for you. When you walk on the path, it just keeps shining brighter and brighter. Life gets more glorious every day. Not only that, But you'll get brighter. The Lord will increase your intelligence. You can go from a C student to an A student. You can go from cleaning toilets to management. You see, when you're walking in the light, you'll start seeing more light. And you talk about your future getting brighter and brighter. The Bible says it'll get brighter and brighter more and more under the perfect day. I mean, it'll get so bright, glory to God, that one day you'll just step over and walk over into glory. Somebody says, well, my future's so bright, I need sunglasses. Say it with me. My future is bright. Now, there's something that we need to talk about for a while this morning, and that is this. There is no death on this path. One of the confessions that I make on a regular basis is this. In my pathway is life, and there is no death at all. Look at the amplified version of Proverbs 12, 28. It says, life is in the way of righteousness. Moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. And in its pathway there is no death, but immortality, perpetual, eternal life. Say it with me. In my life, in my pathway, is life. And there is no death. Now, along God's path, you will face temptations tests and trials, you will face some troubles. But those temptations, tests and troubles are not coming from God. 
They're coming from things trying to get you off the path into the ditch. When you walk in the light as he is in the light, even though you might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll make it through to the other side because the glory of God is greater than the darkness around you. And you just keep walking and God will see to it that you make it through. Now, I don't mean to be a wise guy. I certainly don't mean to be arrogant. I love you. But those people that say, well, brother, I've been on the path for years and years. And I'm not experiencing anything but sickness. Anything but poverty. My children are rebelling. Life is is not worth the living, but I'm on the path. You got to take heed, my dear brother or sister, that the light that is in you be not darkness. Now, what do I mean by that? What did Jesus mean by that? There are people that think that they have light and revelation according to the Word of God, but it doesn't come from the Spirit of God. It comes from the darkness of religion and from the darkness of the traditions of men, and it literally holds people in bondage for years and years. Well, the Lord put me on His path. I'm experiencing all this trouble. I'm over in the ditch, and He's given me a ditch ministry. You know, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a ditch ministry. Wouldn't it be better to stay on the path, overcome the things that are coming against you, and go to the ditch and pull people out of the ditch? I mean, why do you have to be in the ditch to help people in the ditch? I've experienced that people that are in the ditch have a difficulty helping other people in the ditch because they're knee deep in dirt. Now, I don't mean that wrong. God can use you wherever you're at. But God didn't put all this stuff on you to teach you some sort of a deep lesson to deepen your piety so that you could have a ministry in the ditch. <laughs> Woo, glory. Now, what about God's paths, Pastor? What about His paths? Well, turn over to Psalm 65 and notice with me in verse 11. Now, very interesting, you know, at the beginning of the year, we get inspired, don't we? In everything that we didn't do last year, we're going to do this year. Every mountain that we didn't move last year, bless God, we're going to move it this year. And even though last year was terribly bad, this year is going to be a good year. Now, I believe that every day can be good with God. You're not always on the mountaintop every day. But notice this verse of scripture, oftentimes it's used at the beginning of the year. Why not use it every day of your life? You crown the year with your goodness. We could say it like this. Lord, I thank you that you crowned this day with your goodness. You crowned this week with your goodness. But here's what I want you to see. And thy paths, I'll add this, all of your paths drop fatness. Now, anytime you see the word fatness in the word of God, you're not talking about becoming so obese that you can't move. But fatness deals with increase. Fatness deals with prosperity. 
Fatness deals with promotion. Fatness comes from El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the God who is more than enough, not the God who is less than the least. He is the Almighty God, the all-breasty one, who has the capability to feed all of his children at the same time. Think about it. And all of El Shaddai's paths, it will drip fatness. Now notice this. And I think we need to make a correction sometimes. Because increase in abundance does not just have to do with your finances. Increase in abundance also has to do with an increase of peace in your life. See, the Bible says that grace and peace can be multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God. You see, when our paths drip with fatness, it also can impact and affect your marriage. You see, I believe this, that God wants you to have marital bliss when you're married and on your honeymoon, but he wants you to have marital bliss 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and 30 years from now. That's increase, is it not? You see, my love for Brenda has grown. My love for her has increased. Her love for me has grown. Her love for me has increased. We could say that our path in our marriage drips with El Shaddai's goodness and his abundance and his presence and his joy. All of God's paths. In all of your ways. If you'll stay on the right path, you'll experience fat city. You can experience increase on the job. Not only that, but if you have been a person that is prone to depression and prone to grief and prone to sorrow, if you'll get on the path, he will lift your load. But not only will he lift your load, he will fill you with joy. And that joy will come to you as unspeakable and full of glory. Say to me, all of God's paths. They're dripping with fatness. Now, with that in mind, I've got a question for all of us. Why in the world would anyone want to get off the path? It, it has puzzled me. You know my testimony. I'm celebrating now 35 years freedom from alcohol and heroin addiction. To God be the glory. You don't need to clap. To God be the glory. It's puzzling to me how people can get delivered from drugs and go back. Now, I know why they do and I know how they do, but you don't have to. Why would anyone want to get off the path back into alcoholism that's been delivered from it? Why would anyone want to get off the path of having a glorious marriage and hop in bed with someone else's wife or someone else's husband. It's puzzling to me. Why in the world would you want to serve anyone or anything but Him? I think that's one of those selahs. And here's what happens. is Some people... They take major detours. Not just a detour for a month or two, but sometimes years and years and years. Now, how many of you have ever been driving down the freeway and then you got off onto the wrong exit? 
And you wanted to get back over the freeway so you could get back and go around. But there wasn't any entrance on the other side. And that wrong turn brought you into some places that you'd just soon not be. Where everyone's eyeballing you. Eyeballing your nice car and your nice wife. You know what I'm talking about. The wrong road takes you to wrong places. The wrong road and taking detours off of God's path will take you into places and connect you with people and things that God never intended you to be connected to and with. Now I'm preaching pretty good now. Jesus, help us. Help us to be bright. Help us not to be dull. You see, wrong associations, the Bible says, corrupt good manners. Getting hooked up with the wrong people can kill you. Getting in a car with a bunch of teenagers that are drinking even though you're not drinking can kill you. We talked about being in the wrong neighborhood and don't equate the wrong neighborhood with class, middle, upper, or, you know. The enemy walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I know the enemy's come across and come against some people in some rich neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods, middle class neighborhoods. So we're not talking about class here now. We're talking about being in the right place at the right time, following the Spirit's leading, not going to the right or to the left, but staying in the perfect plan of God, thus staying safe with angels protecting you on the right and on the left. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. So we talked about, just don't go there. Don't take that wrong turn. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I want a shortcut. Anybody ever tried to take a shortcut before? And the shortcut ended up being a long cut? Well, you know, I hear there's traffic over here. I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to, no, watch out for shortcuts. There ain't no instant pudding with God. There's no microwave prosperity with God. No, go God's way. Every day, every moment, every hour. And so, God is the one who leads us in the paths, plural, of righteousness for His namesake. Now, we enter into this path at the new birth. How many of you have been saved a year or more? How about five or more? Ten or more? Fifteen or more? 20 or more. How many of you just aren't going to raise your hand no matter what I say? (laughs) So anyway, we enter into this path at the new birth. And I discovered this when I was born again back in 1975. He literally, virtually carried me for the first part of my path. Why? Because babies don't know anything. Amen? Amen? But as we get older, and as we become more knowledgeable of the Word, then we become more responsible. 
And then we have choices to make and decisions to make on what we are going to do with what we've heard. Now look with me at Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. You see, God wants every one of us to grow spiritually. And that's why he says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Okay? So as you get into the word of God, light comes. Notice with me, he said, The entrance of thy word, it gives what? Now, light is equivalent to understanding. In other words, you open the Word, you see the Word, you understand the Word, and the Word says to you, okay, do this. You're responsible then to walk in this, okay? And then Psalm 119, verse 105, we're in that neighborhood. It says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and Thy Word is a light unto my path. Isn't that awesome? You can know how to live right. You can know how to make right decisions. Now, I love the Amplified. It says, or the message, it says, By your words, I can, ha- I can see where I'm going. And they throw a beam of light on my dark path. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Psalm 1611 says that he will show us the path of life. Now, here's what happens. According to the book of Psalms, it says, in thy light, we see light. Okay? See, now, let's say, for example, how many has been born again over 40 years? Raise your hand. Okay? Well, I would say, perhaps, in your life, you've got more light than a person that's been born again two days. So, therefore, those who have been born again and have seen light... They're responsible to walk in that light. Now, here's what happens. As you go down this path, you see things you've never seen before, and then you start walking in them. And as you start walking in them, you see more light. And your path just gets brighter and brighter and brighter as you're walking in this good life, walking in His plan, and walking down His pathway. Are you listening to me? And then what happens is this, is life just gets better and better and better the more light you walk in. Now here's what I saw. As I was preparing for this message last night, I saw this. It's possible for us to close our eyes at the truth. The Bible says their eyes they have closed. They're hearing But they've closed their eyes. Closing your eyes to the light is no way out of the light. There's no way that you can get rid of the responsibility of walking the light by avoiding the light. Now here's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And this includes me. This includes every one of us here today. It is so vital... That we have a heart. That we have a heart for His paths. That we, not just mental here. Lord, I will to do Thy will. I will to walk in Your paths. And here's what the Lord showed me. I want to share some scriptures with you. Psalm 25 verse 4. 
Psalm 25, verse 4. This should be your prayer. Pray it with me. Lord, show me your ways. And Lord, teach me thy paths. Now I want you to pay particular attention to the word teach. Now look at Psalm 27, verse 11. Psalm 27, verse 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. So again, we see the enemy trying to lure us off the path. But he's making an invitation, Lord, teach me thy ways and lead me in a plain path. Something interesting about the word teach there. You can be taught the right paths. Amen? Now, a person that is unteachable will never know the paths of God. Amen? Now, I remember when I uh, grew up in grade school, I didn't pay attention in school. I didn't pay attention to physics in high school. I didn't pay attention to chemistry. I could care less. I was just interested in getting on the basketball court. Okay? And it cost me. Because my first report card as a senior in high school was four F's and a D minus. Now this was before I was born again. I'm not proud of it. Are you listening? But here's my attitude in class. I wasn't paying attention. Therefore, I was not teachable. Too many Christians in church are not paying attention. They're thinking about what they're going to eat after the pastor shuts up. They're thinking about the Niners, the Raiders, the Sharks, the A's, the John, whatever. They're thinking about anything and everything but what's being said. Charles Camp said years ago, he says, I was so poor at one time in my life, I couldn't pay attention. Listen to this. Flip on words. If you don't pay attention, poverty will come upon your life as an armed man. And then, there are other people who just won't be taught because they know it all. I heard several wells. Now, I have a relative that's like that. I love him with all of my heart. It's not my kids. But he's a know-it-all. And I don't like being around him. And you know why? Because he knows it all. Know-it-alls are no fun to be around. You can't have a conversation with them before they're interrupting you and finishing your sentence. Why? Because they know it all. (laughs) And in churches across the nation, there are not only people that don't pay attention, but they know it all. Who's that young whippersnapper up there? They know it all. They're unteachable. And then there's a third category of people. It's not necessarily that they don't pay attention or that they know it all. They've been taught wrong. And their foundation is wrong. And the way that they were taught 
was according to the traditions of men, not according to the Word of God and the school of the Holy Spirit. So when they start hearing things that are contrary to what Grandma taught, or to what I learned in cemetery, I mean seminary, Or what they learned in Sunday school, when it goes contrary to that, they're, not un, they're unwilling to change because their foundation was wrong. We must be willing to be teachable. Are you listening to me? The Bible says that we must receive with meekness, that's with a teachable attitude, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. I submit to you, not only will it save your soul, but it can save your marriage. Not only can it save your marriage, but it can save your body. Not only can it save your body and your marriage, it can save your finances. And so, I don't know what your background is. But if you've got a wrong foundation, it's time to dig that up and to get a solid foundation. You see, here's the truth. We hear through the filter we learn from. See, I think it's true. Sometimes we need to unlearn some things before we can learn them properly. Especially in areas like healing and prosperity and those individual truths in the Word of God. Say it with me. Teach me your way. Lead me in a plain path. And then quickly to Proverbs 3 verse 6. Say it with me. Jesus Jesus is Savior. Savior. Now say this. Jesus Jesus is Lord. Lord. Is there a difference between having Him as your Lord and having Him as your Savior? When you have Him as your Savior, you may have fire insurance. I don't know. God's a judge of all that. You know what I'm saying? I'm hoping everyone makes it to heaven. You you, you hear the preacher, right? But I'm not the judge. But there's coming a day where here come the judge. Amen? So, you know, you don't want to just, you don't want to just toy around with this. You don't want to just have him as, you know, your savior and just kind of, well, live together and, you know, fornicate and, you know, and, but he, my Lord, I, I talked to the man upstairs Don't, 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 don't toy around with this Christianity. You know, either get in 100%, quit riding the fence. You look funny out there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know that wasn't good. I've been out of the dance floor for a while. It used to be, praise the Lord, and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, just something in my spirit just sours. When people are down at the bar witnessing, you know, it just sours. He's Savior. You might make it. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm not the judge. But why not move over into the land of lordship? 
where He has a say in everything you do and everywhere you go in every decision you make. Now, don't get all dark on me and, you know, think you're going to hell. You know, let's live for Christ and make sure we're going to heaven. I'm appalled. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm just at appalled what happens in Charismaticville. It's crazy. It's nuts. So is there a difference? Boy, we better stop that. Is there a difference between having Him as your Savior and having Him as your Lord? Now, when He's your Lord, there must be a continuous acknowledgement of His Lordship in your life. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 6. Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all of thy ways, acknowledge your Lord. Give Him permission. Say, Jesus. Uh, No, I'm preaching now. You don't need to say that. Lord, I've got this $1,000. What do you want me to do with it? Where do you want me to sow it? Lord, I've got this. What do you want me to do with it? Lord, you know, there's there's this job that's come up. But this job that I'm about to take is going to take me away from my church. And I haven't checked to see if there's another church out there yet. Do you want me to take the job or not? And by the way, if he leads you to take the job, but he also leads you to stay at your local church, whether it be here, Faith Fellowship, Jubilee, I'm not building a case for Heart of the Bay. You understand? But if he leads you to do that and leads you to stay here, he will also make provision for you to have enough gasoline to get to the services. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, bless God, you know, it, yeah, I just can't get up. I can't get up. Why don't you go to bed at 10 rather than 3 and you probably make it. Thank you. I felt something up in here. Yeah. Huh? Oh, Pastor, you've gone over into the meddling, the meddling age. You ain't seen nothing yet. They say the older you get, the blunter you get. And I'll be 62 in November. No, seriously. We're we're having a little fun. It's all right. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. Now we're going to close with two scriptures. Then we're going to have communion. I promise. Look look with me to Jeremiah 6.16. And here's here's what I want... To happen in our hearts today. My heart, all of our hearts. God, I've got a heart for your paths. I've got a heart for your way. Now, the metaphor here is this. It is a traveler. And he's going down the road of life. And he gets to a place in his path and he wonders, you know, am I on the right path? I'm I'm just not sure. You know know something? If you're not sure whether you're on the right path or not, make sure you are. And if you're not, don't get under condemnation. Make the adjustment. 
Because God can take that and turn it around and he can restore to you the years that the enemy's ripped off from you. So that's the good news. That's the grace part. Amen? But here's the metaphor. He's seeking God. And it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand you in the ways and see, perceive, ask for the old paths. Where is the good way or where is the God way? The context of this is, is the old paths for the children of Israel were paths of holiness, obedience, and faith to stay on the path that God preordained for them so that they wouldn't be done in by the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and all the otherites. And so here's this guy traveling down the road, metaphorically, and he says, Ask for the old paths. The old paths for them was the Pentateuch. The new paths for us are the paths preordained before the foundation of the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ for you to walk in. Where is the good way? I tell you, the way for you and me is a way of faith. The way for you and me is the way of right living. The way for you and me is the prescribed way that God has ordained for us to live, which is walking in love, walking in wisdom, walking circumspectly, walking in the plan of God. And so he says, where is the good way? And then he said, walk therein. And here's what will happen. He said, you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that awesome? Have you discovered that when a man's ways please the Lord... That he has a peace that passes understanding. And though the enemy tries to lure him or her off the path, he makes your enemies even to be at peace with you. Adam Clark says this. He said, the soul needs rest. It can only find this by walking in the good way. The good way is that which has been trodden by the saints from the beginning. It is the old way, the way of faith and holiness. Believe, love, obey, be holy and be happy. This is the way. Let us inquire for it and let us walk in it and you will find rest to your souls. And then lastly, 1 Kings chapter 8. And here's our prayer today before we receive communion. If you've not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior of your life and you want to do so right now, before we read this scripture... I want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord. All over this auditorium, anyone here today want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? All right? Now, how many of you are here today? And you say, you know what, Pastor Mark? I think I've gotten off the path. But today, by the grace of God, I want to get on the right path. I'm asking for the old way. I'm asking for the God ways. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. We're not going to ask you to come forth. And come up to the front. But you're here today. And you know that you've gotten off and you want to get back on. Hands raised. Those of you who want prayer in that area. Go ahead and raise your hand all over this auditorium. Yes. Several of you. Several of you. Amen. Okay. You can put your hand down. And look at me. Now as we read First Kings chapter 8. And verse 56 through 58. This will be your prayer. You that have raised your hand. And this will be my prayer. And this will be all of our prayers. Notice with me. In verse 56 from the message, he said, Blessed be God, who has given peace to his people Israel, just as he said he would do. Not one of all those good and wonderful works that he spoke through Moses has misfired. I like that. God doesn't shoot blanks, does he? Now here's the prayer. May God, my very own God, continue to be with me just as he was with my ancestors. 
May He never give up or walk out on us. Here it is. Pray this with me. May you, Lord, keep all of us centered and devoted to you, following the life path that you have cleared. I'll watch the signposts and I'll, by the grace of God, I will walk at the pace and the rhythms that you have laid down for my life. Be it unto me according to your word. Ushers, come and let's go ahead and receive communion together today. Did you receive the word today? It's a good word.